You are listening to Did You Hear? 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 The Johnson County Library Podcast. This is your Library Insider. Hey, everybody. It's Jamal with the Weekly Word. Yield. Definition one. Produce or provide a natural, agricultural, or industrial product. Definition two. Give way to arguments, demands, or pressure. Welcome to another edition of Did You Hear? This is the Johnson County Library Podcast, and I am Dave Carson. Thrilled to tell you that we've got another author research in action episode for you. Just a reminder, we take an award-winning author and let them dive into a conversation with a subject matter expert. In this case, both authors did their research from the inside. Inside of what or where, you might be asking? Well, for that answer, here's reference librarian Helen Hokinson. Thanks, Dave. Uh, we are here today with Dr. Randall Horton. He is going to be on faculty at our 2019 Writers Conference. Uh, he's going to be teaching sessions on memoir construction, uh, creative nonfiction with fictional elements, and he'll be teaching a workshop on City as Protagonist. For our kickoff, he'll be sitting in conversation with poets Megan Kaminsky and Rudy Francisco. And um, he is the recipient of the Gwendolyn Brooks Poetry Award, the B. Gonzalez Poetry Award, the Great Lakes College Association New Writers Award for Creative Nonfiction, and a National Endowment of the Arts Fellowship in Literature. In addition, Randall has been interviewed on Fox News, NPR, CTMPR, C-SPAN, and the New Haven Register, and countless journals, magazines, and radio shows. He currently sits on the advisory board of PEN America's PEN Prison Writing Program, in 2018 and 19, Randall was selected as poet in residence for the Civil Rights Corps in Washington, D.C., which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to challenging systemic injust injustice in the American legal system. Randall has conducted workshops, lectured, and toured numerous adult and juvenile detention centers across the nation to provide encouragement and hope for those entangled within the legal system. He's very interested in eradicating the language of incarceration that tends to recriminalize those entangled in the legal system. Dr. Randall Horton is currently the only tenured full professor in the United States of America at a university or college with seven felony convictions. He is a member of the experimental performance group Heroes Are Gang Leaders, which recently received the 2018 American Book Award in Oral Literature and their latest musical project, The Baraka Sessions, was named Best Vocal Jazz Album by NPR in 2019. His latest poetry collection, number 289128, was published by the University of Kentucky Press, uh, I think it was earlier this month, um, August 2020. And Dr. Horton is a professor of English at the University of New Haven. He also has, um, in addition to his poetry collections, he's got a memoir called Hook that um, those of us who've read it at Johnson County Libraries are quite big fans of. <laughs> and when we asked Dr. Horton if there was someone he might like to be in conversation with uh, to interview as research for an upcoming project or something that he's passionate about, he did not hesitate to say Louise K. Wakaigan. 
she is enrolled at the La Coudre Reservation in northern Wisconsin. She's the recipient of the 2017 Penn Poetry Prize for her first place poem, This Is Where. She is also the first place winner of the Minnesota Prison Writing Workshop's broadside competition from 2016. Louise's work has been published in Penn America, 21 Mythologies, The Moon Magazine, Night Colors, 27th Letter, Words in Grayscale, and Doors Adjacent. She is currently working on her second collection, and I am honored to welcome them to our podcast. So I will let you all uh, take it from here. Thank you, Helen. Uh, thank you very much. And it's definitely a privilege and an honor to um, be in conversation with Louise today. And I want to thank you and Johnson uh, County Library for allowing us this space. And so, um, I again, when you hesitated to, um, when, when, when Helen hesitated um, to, when she asked me, excuse me, I didn't hesitate to, to know who I wanted to be in conversation with. Um, I think Louise is uh, one of the most um, interesting and unique voices we have out here right now. And um, she definitely um, deserves a, a wider audience. And I hope um, that she, she definitely does that uh, with her writing and what she does. And so I want to get right into it, um, Louise. And first of all, welcome okay. and and good to, good to um, talk to you again. You've been doing okay? I've been doing great. Yes. Thank you All so right. much. Yes. <clears throat> and so one of the things I wanted to talk about um, was just getting right into it um, in terms of your um, experiences, in terms of how did you begin to write on the inside? And right. of course, I don't. we don't refer to those words as prison and incarceration in those ways. I like to say the inside because I don't like those stereotypes. Um, but yeah, how did you begin, you know, writing on the inside? Uh, well, first of all, I'm just very humbled by the opportunity to be with this audience today. So thank you very much. Um, and how did I begin writing? Well, first of all, what I discovered um, immediately on the inside was that there was a desperate cry for community, whether that's culturally, whether that's identity, whether that's writing, reading, whatever it is, just the sense of community. Right. And not only from the women that were inside, but for, from the volunteers that came inside too, they, my lasting impression is that they really wanted us to know that we were remembered, even if we didn't feel like that, even if mm. we didn't get that connection. And so mm -hmm. there was various programs, there was various people that would come in graciously and spend their time and their skills and what they learned and they would share that with us and any time that it said writing or reading or listening i just jumped onto it and um i was writing before i went in but i really found a very nurturing community of writers while i was there mm -hmm. so i just so you were writing so you were writing before you before you you you, you came went to the inside like that and um, you sort of nurtured your writing there and um, right. that became sort of a, you know, a way to sort of commune with other other women as well. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, yep. And so, yeah. um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, too, that I think I wrote before incarceration just as a, like a means to kind of cope. 
you know, being a young, young minority woman in the world that we were in, it it was a really great and safe way to express myself and to kind of process what I was going through. And then when I was on the inside, it was more about crafting this, this thing called writing and the discipline of it, because it takes discipline, you know, Um, and it takes a lot of erasing and editing and uh it just i i nurtured the discipline of it okay that's what i appreciated it about it but i have a question for you if you don't mind okay no doubt no doubt what you got so when did you realize that poetry could be your companion or release as you were on the inside as well (laughs) you know it took a minute. I, and unlike you, I, I, necess- I wasn't necessarily writing before uh, I went to the inside. And I had been to college, I had been you know, to school, and I, I, I had read books and things of that nature, but I never considered myself a writer at all uh, and never even really thought about it in that way. Um, the last time before um, you know, I, I received my time, I was, um, I was in, a, I was in a, a place in Montgomery County, and they had a program that um, allowed us to write the things that had sort of caused us a sort of great anguish and pain, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it, it became a place where I could sort of express the things that I never expressed in my life. Uh, you know, I could never express as a person, uh, a young man growing up. Um, and it became a way to sort of get out, get that all out. And I, I began to like it. Um, and it became and it became a way to sort of me, for me to come to cope with the things that sort of led me down some paths where I didn't need to go. Um, but it also became a sort of a great companion in terms of just having something to sort of keep me occupied and trying to live inside another world in terms of language and what the possibility of that could sort of do. Um, right. And so, huh? Oh, I just agreed with you, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. And so... Mm-hmm. And so um, when I when I when I got to where I was in Hagerstown, Maryland, um, I began to write, um, and I was writing fiction. Um, and, but I never forget before I left um, going to Hagerstown, um, the counselor called me into her office, and she she said something that I never forget, and it stays with me to this day. She was like, "Promise me one thing," and I was like, "What's that?" Um, and she said, "They promised me that she won't ever stop writing," you know. Mm-hmm. And I think no one had ever told me anything like that. And so I kept that and took that with me. And so I can remember like when I first got there, I had this routine where I would just write, 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 write uh, in the mornings. And then I would edit in the evenings and I finally got a typewriter and I was, <laughs> I would write in the mornings, edit and type at night just to keep busy. Um, but I was writing fiction and one of my characters was this little girl um, that I was trying to talk about from the environment in which I came. And somewhere along the narrative, she, she, she wrote poetry and I don't necessarily, I had never necessarily really read poetry in that way. And so, but I often always equated poetry to something higher in terms of understanding and enlightenment. And so the character was a poet and I needed to understand how to write a poem. <laughs> so that became mm-hmm. a sort of journey um, to sort of uh, understand what poetry was. And I sort of just, it sort of gradually was pulled into that whole idea of the possibility of language. Um, and, and it was just, you know, and so that was sort of my, my, my experience. And, but I got one question for you when to go back. Um, and you talked about, you know, you know, you being able to write on the side. Do you remember 
and I know I do. Do you remember your first workshop on his side? Do I remember my first workshop? Um, first I don't know if workshop. I remember the like the first day, but I remember this group called Writers Workshop. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of this motley crew of women in this small room and talk about not wanting to identify as a writer. I don't yeah. think I called myself a writer until maybe, maybe a few months ago, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of the influences right. of other right. writers and poems, mm -hmm. um, right. this poetry idea just being kind of like a lofty dream that I could never, you know, fit into so i was really hesitant to identify myself in that circle yet the the circle made it very safe and i could like you express things mm -hmm. and kind of put into paper the experiences that i was experiencing in a very safe way and in a way that the people around me would listen even if that was the only way the people around me would be able to listen and or understand. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I like totally, I almost had I totally, like a. I totally get that experience, um, and I've I had the same thing, you know, happen to me when I first came out and was trying to sort of figure some things out. I had a lot of people that made me feel welcome and and at home um, and safe to sort of do what I needed to do. And I just I'll share one experience with you. Um, right when I had gotten out, um, I was in Washington and I went to the Furious Flower Second Conference, which is a conference that's held at James Madison University. And it's in the honor of Gwendolyn Brooks, who has this poem about the rising furious flower through the concrete. But anyway, um, it's, a, it's a conference that happens every 10 years um, for the celebration of Black poetry. And me as a young, as, as someone who had just came out from the inside, um, some poets took me down there. And I can remember, um, you know, meeting like Lucille Clifton, Rita Dove, Amir Baraka, um, Sonia Sanchez, Nikki Giovanni, all of these sort of people I had read about and talked about, but they were all welcoming to me in some kind of way and made me feel at home, which was, which, which was very interesting because I always had that sort of doubt. And that's why I say I identify with what you were saying. Um, it's totally mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Right. And so you have those things as those things are going. I think I've been out. I think I've, I've been out about maybe two, two years. And so um, one of the things and we'll get to this a little bit later on, I have some questions for you about this sort of, you know, your, your journey um, now that you're sort of um, trying to figure some things out. Um, but in, yeah, matter of fact, um, the reentry the re of the returning citizen is what I'm sort of talking about. And so how was it? for you when you first returned, what were, um, what were, and what are some of the roadblocks that you faced? Um, that you uh, faced? Yeah. Cause there's always going to be some, I mean, I've right. had them and just, you know, we come with this sort of, um, branding of the F thing, which I call the, you know, the felon market. So it's always different. How do you negotiate that in society? Right. Right. Well, I'm very fortunate to have a very supportive family and a, a good network of people around me, which um, unfortunately and sadly, not every person coming out of incarceration can say that, um, which right. I think speaks more of our community on the outside. Um, right. But I was very blessed um, to not only come to a safe network of people, but also a safe home. Um mm -hmm which is also something that we need more of 
but it was all overwhelming. It was exciting. And yet it was exactly the same and yet completely <laughs> yes. different at the same time. Yeah. Te technology is, I'm still trying to understand. Um, yeah. And yet there's, you know, you talk about roadblocks and I think some of that, yes, is like with getting employment or finding housing um, kind of that stuff, which is, you know, pretty common, but it's also mm -hmm. <clears throat> my own kind of fears as to how I'm going to fit into this new world now that I have a felony. Right. So it's right. my own hesitation. And I think that is probably my biggest roadblock because now in 2020, Randall, there are so many conversations happening about change, about mm -hmm. injustice, about right. equality. And so I may have a felony, but somebody else may be an amputee. And so they might be feeling kind of the same insecurities about how do I fit in and two right. totally different um, situations. I agree, but yet yeah. still our own personal fear and hesitation of, do I really fit in and can I really do this? And right. yes, I can. And this is my community. So of course I fit in, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> right. Nah, you have to, mm -hmm. that's sort of how you have to sort of have to approach it. Um, and those roadblocks are going to be there to, and you have to expect those and you just have to keep on um, trying to find your way. And, you know, somebody told me something. He just said, um, as long as we show up every day and trying to make some kind of positive impact, that's the that's the that's the key, right? Showing up that every day. Key. Yeah. And I think, too, it is the key um, just to show up every day. But also. I think there's still a little bit of stigma around women incarcerated. Um, and so there might be, you know, different roadblocks you know, for me I as mean, opposed talked, to you. I've talked about this um, and I've written about it and with, with, in, I think in a piece with, with Jennifer and Kate's um, who runs Penn Prison and about this whole idea of the, the, the sort of the challenges. And I had to bring them in. So this essay that talks about, you know, the silent ones and it talks about the many voices that 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 we know to be on the inside that, you know, are powerful, that we don't necessarily get those, we don't hear about those on the outside. Or even so, when the women come out, it's a very different thing in terms of, of how do you negotiate, um, your, you know, life after, you know, life after being on the inside, but also the stigmas about you know that, and I think it's a very different set. And you know, I just you know, I totally think it's it's, it's biased, but I do, I do think there's a different set of these sort of things that women have to face that men don't necessarily have to. And that's sort of not right either. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, so right, yeah, yeah. And so um, I've been trying. It's something I've been trying to sort of like understand more of myself. So, um, but at the same time, I think um, I think you know. You're going to figure it out. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was just going to ask, well, how was your experience when you were returning? You know, it's uh, different part of the country. Um, right. You are yeah, a can't. male. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, it was it was it was surreal. It was like I, I had to keep pinching myself first, you know, to think that I was sort of being able to do all the things that I dreamed about while I was on the inside about if I ever got a chance, you know, like every day you have these sort of thing, you know what I'm talking about? These sort of things that go through your head, you are planning your sort of time to sort of like 
get you to where you got to be, whether that's looking at different, you know, things that you want to do when you get out there, ways in which you sort of want to, you think you might want to travel in terms of your trajectory, your path. So all of those things are, are, are at play, but at the same time, um, it it is a struggle. I had to struggle for, you know, find a job and I, you know, worked two jobs and went back to school and trying to write. And I had to figure out a whole nother way to how to write because, you know, I was, you know, I had a lot of time before, you know, um, right. and so, right. And, and, and so how to sort of negotiate all of that. Um, and there was these roadblocks. Um, I've, you know, I was, I was reincarcerated, I think after maybe a year and a half, not reincarcerated, excuse me. I was sort of like, it was a mistake, but they picked me up and locked me up for like three days on something that was like six or seven years old that had been dismissed and all of this time. But then uh, one day I, I go knock on the door and then there's this and I'm like, oh man, for real? You know, so you're back there and you're like, man, how, the, how is this possible? Right. So, you know, you have to deal with that whole traumatic thing. Um, and it's just interesting, man. Um, but there's always been something I've come to expect that. Um, and so, and I think it, you know, it sort of builds a little, it makes me a little bit stronger each time I sort of overcome some of those things. And it gets a little easier too. Um, but um, I think one of the things I'm constantly, even now, trying to deal with is sort of like, the, like how can I put this? The sort of perception of others Okay. about, you know, what I should do or how I should be. And I don't care anything about it because I'm going to do that. But I think I think society, I think the community sometimes, I think, especially the literary community, they want to try to put you in these boxes, you know, especially if you if you come from in on the inside. And so you, you're talking about these things because that's something you're passionate about. But for me, I, I never thought I needed to be the whole total sum of that, Right. Right. So there are some right. other things I like I can I do. I don't necessarily want to be the prison poet for the lack of a better word. Um, and so I had to learn how to sort of and that's something I, I've, I've been thinking about more and more as you know I progress and as I continue to be active um, in in these social justice issues, right? Um, but it's sort of a double-edged sword, man. I mean, I think sometimes the image and the a, a presentation of something is better than like a hypothesis. Right. So okay. some yeah. somebody appearing from you with seven felony convictions and sort of had done some things that's different. You know, that gives you some kind of like way of saying, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. Or if you go into somewhere, if you get a chance to go back to maybe, the, the you know, one of the county, one of the places that you were in and or, or any of those places and talk to young women. Right. They're going to look at you and say, if she can do it, I can do it, too. So right. that's part of that's part of the deal with that. Right. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we've been talking a little bit and, you know, we got a little bit about you and a little bit about me. How about you share? How about we do what we do? <laughs> <laughs> How about we do what we do, right. So, I, you know, I thought it would be interesting if you would pick a poem, because right? I have one I wanted to read and then um, we'll come back and talk about your, our projects, right? We okay. have two projects we would like, we would like um, the audience to know about. So I'll let you go first. Um and um and I'll follow up and I'll I actually talk about you know what sort of led to the emphasis for me sort of to writing that poem and then okay you can just, right. all right well it let me just say just kind of going over your collection uh, I was trying to find a word that could just kind of like 
encapsulate it all. And so I came up with the word boldness. And yet that was almost too generic, Randall, you know? And then I, then I said, well, it's very raw. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. But then unfiltered came to my mind when I read your poetry. And a few of them I had to read out loud because it demanded to be read out loud. And one of the ones that I read out loud is called Remember. <laughs> and Randall, so I'm going to read this one, and then I'd love to hear the background on it from you because it just it captivated me in such a way that just demanded attention. And I right. love it when writing does that. So I'm just going to go right in. <clears throat> All right. Go, go, go. Remember, do not turn from the difficult thesis. Think back to the slim praying man in cell 15 with needles stuck in vain. Religion nor dope can stop time. Remember 72 in a unit built for 30, that never ending revolving door or the overcrowded choir singing, I am the wretched of the earth. Typed on a Smith Corona at night, how cell 23 demanded rabbled art. What about the couple in cell 22? Lifers who found love doing a bid. Father and son as cellies on the top tier. No generation will be left behind. Too many bodies lingering in limbo. The worn out illusion of truth, see. Memorialize faces you will forget. Victim turned perpetrator in cell six, sold at age eight for a bag of meth. Nothing is black and white. Ouch, Randall. <laughs> Ouch, okay. If we were in person, I would be snapping my fingers away at you, okay? <clears throat> Tell me about that. Wow. Well, it's the reality of the prison industrial complex, and it's the reality of the criminal justice system in terms of what happens when someone goes on the inside. And there's a whole lot. It's, a, it's a really another world. Um, and I'm not going to talk to I'm going to, I'm talking to the audience now because at least I know you know a little bit. I know you, I know you know this. Um, and so there's a lot going on. There's different narratives, man. And so when I was getting ready to get out, I, and I've been thinking about this for years. This poem just didn't manifest itself overnight. I've been having to think about that, you know, the unit that I was in, the people um, that I knew, um, the different narratives of people's lives, how they had to sort of, you know, change their, you know, change their life, how they were left alone, how they were using drugs on the inside, which is sort of a critique, of, again, of the prison industrial complex in the system that allows one to sort of like have that market economy on the inside. And what does that mean to let it happen? Right? Okay. Like we don't have, we have to ask ourselves these questions. Um, and 72 for 30, right? So the idea of the overcrowding is real. Like you, you, you in these spaces where it's only supposed to be like this many people, but then it's double that. And that creates more tension, more anger, and more all, you know, all kind of things. You know, but you know, cell seven, cell, uh, cell twenty three is, is you know, is where I sort of is where I stayed uh, for almost five years, um, and when I was getting ready to leave, and 
and one of the most interesting things, it was two interesting things, like, and I talk about these, like I said, I've been thinking about these forever, man. Uh, one of them is like the idea of a father and son, like the son comes into prison. Like I just, I've seen that on TV, but to see it act out in real life is a whole nother thing, right? Right. This, yeah, and then sort of like you, and sort of, and then the idea of sexual predators, um, they you know, get incarcerated, which is a whole nother thing too. And then to understand the story of like why this person, like the, this person was sort of messed up at the age of eight, man. And it's so, and life is so like, like the cruelty within that whole thing. It's just something like we can't even begin to understand. How do we understand that and negotiate that? How do you work with that? All of these things that happen in one in one unit. This is one unit. <laughs> and, and there were many, right? right? And I'm getting, and so, and, and as you leave this place, like, what is it that you want to think about? These are the things that sort of like stay with me. I don't care how much I change. I don't care, you know, how many degrees I get. What that's sort of always going to be with me, man. So, and that's sort of like is the, that's sort of my passion, um, you know, for the things that I do because I knew I, you know, I'm, I don't ever claim to be some great miscarriage of justice, right? In terms of the things that I did and why I know the things that happened to me, but I've seen some injustice and I've seen, you know, the way in which time destroys a person. I think there's a better way. Anyway, um, <laughs> not for me. Let's get to you. <laughs> How about that? Okay. <laughs> and, um, and just the audience, and just for the audience, I want to let them know um, I'm an editor at Willow Books, right? And um, and we publish we publish writers of color um, and minorities and, and, and things of that nature, and I part I partnered with um, the, the the woman who owns the um, Willow Books, this is Heather Heather Buchanan, and I told her like we need to publish a woman. At, at the time, Luis was on the inside. We didn't know anything about it, but we wanted to publish woman on the inside, um, and we wanted to give that voice going back to this thing. We wanted to give that voice, um, and so. We sort of, I sort of scoured my contacts of people that were in writing programs. Um, and April Gibson was actually there in um, Minneapolis at the time. And she introduced me to Jennifer Bowen Hicks. And then she sort of made it happen in terms of getting the call out there. But the call was in many places. I received, so, I received many manuscripts, uh, probably about 70, 60 or 70. Um, and and the Reginald Dwayne Betts, who's... Um, um, another returning citizen um, who uh, just got a law degree from Yale a couple of years ago and actually is getting ready to do this sort of million book project, which is going to put a million books in prisons across um, the United States and each state, um, you know, books in each state. So it's, that's, that's, that's the scope of the project. But anyway, he was judging. So he called me one night um, and he was like, man, who is this person right here? I think they plagiarized, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> and, and he said, I like the poem, but I, said, I, I don't, you know, because I've seen this work somewhere else. And unbeknownst to him or to me or to both of us, Luis had sort of submitted some work to the University of Arizona and he had judged that contest too. So but I said, admitted to him blind. So he didn't know. So I was like, man, I, it's the same people. So, oh, wow. um, <laughs> so that just sort of like the sort of whole thing. I was like, yeah, this feels right. Anyway, um, I want to read um, Facility Bread, right? Because, oh, okay. you know, I think that sort of plays off to what you just read in, a, in, a, in another kind of way, but still it relates. Interesting. So 
I would love to talk about this a little bit. Um, and you know how I feel about your work already. I mean, the, we published a book. I right. totally felt great about doing that. And everybody that I've talked to, it's been well received. So um, that, sh- that goes without saying. So facility bread. I've become an empty shell case in an abandoned room. Rigidly lonesome, far from lonely highways I have traveled before. I recognize this pattern, this seduction. I am my own heroine, laying bare, stolen. I burn with anger. I yearn to fight to bleed, create new brave scars standing in snow tracks in these concrete plains. I am desert sand, proud with no water, a pipe carrier with no elder. David has passed. I am without. Those thundering storms won. Alone, I stand resting in steel chains, losing the woman I wanted to be. And let me just say my appreciation line breaks. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, do. I really do. I appreciate your line break. I'm a line break, you know, nerd. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think I've heard that poem sound so good before, Randall. Thank you very much. I appreciate That's that. That's good. The writer um, always teaches you reader how to read, right? That's my <laughs> <job>. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when I was forming a collection, I was working with a great mentor of mine. And, and she had said, you know, you have a lot of poems about your past and, you know, where you've been and some of the shadows that you're learning to kind of deal with. Right. And she said, but you don't have anything about today, where you are at today. And I was still, I was still inside then. And I'm like, you know what, honestly, I don't want to talk about where I am right now. I'm in a cell block. Um, and she can encourage me to do it. And, and I'll be honest, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything except for little fragments over like a month span. So I would get like a scrap piece of paper or a napkin and I'd write a fragment of something. And then after a few weeks, what you read came, came to fruition. And it was, uh, it, it was very troubling to sit with that piece. Cause I did talk about truth. I did talk about losing my elder very unexpectedly and you know, in the Ojibwe way of life, we rely on our elders. And yet right. at the same time, we know that we're going to lose them. And then we have to lead with what they taught us. And so it, it, it was about coming into my own. And yet I was still locked in a cell. And, and so, and you can understand that too, battling with, I right. have to survive. And yet I was not meant for a cage. Right. Uh, no, so totally trying to... That. Yep, trying to break that's, free that's from the that. Battle. A lot of times each day, you know, and it's and sometimes it's just like a couple of hours at a time you're trying to get through. Right. Um no, totally. So well job. You did you read it beautifully. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Cool, cool, cool. All right, as we've sort of um get ready to ease out of here, um I wanted to sort of talk a little bit um about our collections. Um and for those I'll talk about mine for a little bit, then I'll let you talk, and then I'll read a couple of poems, and I'll let you close us out. Um, But my new project is 289128 um, Poems, which was my Department of Correction number. And 
what I'm trying to do is sort of like highlight the sort of things that happen um, within the, the prison industrial complex. Um, and I'm trying to also give license to the idea of just because someone is in a cage doesn't mean they can't be free. Right. Um, and so there's these sort of three sections. The first one is property of the state. The section one is um, 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 cell 23, poet and residence. So that's the section which I sort of like try to sort of think about the ways in which people, you know, one is, is, is sort of on the inside and has to sort of imagine another world. Like, what is that? What does that mean? And then the second and the last part is sort of that reentry. And I think remember sort of the last piece or the first piece, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it goes into um, Poet in New York. And so it's sort of these observations on New York City through the eyes of someone who's. But my whole idea is sort of like to sort of re, 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 get people to rethink the idea of what they have about those who have come from the inside just because they were sort of had some troubles or whatever, like, I think that's my ultimate goal. But also it's a sort of like to get people to see that the constructions in which they're in is real. You don't have to be in the cell to be in the construction, right? So, right. right. So anyway, um, that's some of that. So um, what were you trying to do? And so I think you even talked about, but did we miss anything in terms of this is where, in terms of the scope of it, in terms of what, tell the audience what they should be getting out of that, right? And and what you tried to do, again, with the collection, just so we're clear. Uh, great question, by the way. Uh, I think what yeah. I would like any reader of This Is Where to come away with is that this is my life up until, you know, the age that I am today. And there's perseverance, mm -hmm. there's strength, there's re definitely reflection in and me trying to figure out kind of the hauntings of my past. And we all have, we all have those shadows. We all have those hauntings. We all have those things that we, we desperately need to understand. Not so that we can live, but just so we can really live, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I guess. And we, you may not have ever been on a reservation or may have never been to Wisconsin or anything like that, but you def whoever the reader is, I, I know that there there's been hurt, there's been sorrow, and there's right. been pain and a desperate need to keep going. And I'm so thankful for the people and the experiences that I've that I have um, that have taught me that I can keep going. My mom told me at one point in time, you know, life goes on. And ouch, that hurt the first time I said it, you know, because I wanted life to stop, you know? No, I get um, it. But praise God for that statement. Yeah, yeah, life does go on. And I think, yeah. you know, this is where um may help in that process. I hope. That's my that's my humble request. Gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So let me read two poems from 289128. Uh, let's try to read a couple of quickies. Let's see. <clears throat> 289128, property of the state, rhetorical perhaps. We do not experience movement, 
the sale, a setting, a chronic theme we do not experience only exist in the frame behind the sale. We stand each step in place with the next deal. Standing, we do not move until told. This instant, we only have moments, mementos relived in slow motion, a cinematic dream. I see you, the good, while we evildoers rock like pomegranate, once sweet, fresh, and vibrant. Rehabilitation is love letters to a ghost. Discourse in the day room, we look at the world on TV to see our false selves inside a constructive frame until told we enter as if we never left. 289128 property of the state or this malice thing never to be confused with justice. Nothing symbolic, okay? Dark is dark, cage is cage, hunted and hunter are both in the literal. Make belief in what is do not exist. A lie. Nothing cryptic here. Okay, rape is rape. Pray must pray. No minute in the future safe from quiet insertions of a shank and masking tape. Okay. Nothing here infinite. Only time is constant to the merciful and merciless. There are, alle there are no allegories to hide behind. He slit his wrist mean he slit his fucking wrist. Okay. There's a cell with one window just before day. Don's early demise magnifies a dull metal toilet. The cool water cooling two canned sodas. Each wall a slab of soft gray cinder block. No posters featuring eroticized women with an exclusive and black tail. Okay. The wall that slits the light does not reveal nothing new ever. The expose, the changing same. Always a holding. One window offers a gateway. My face pressed against the window in time rules this empire, okay? The mind held hostage by time. Mind and body conjoined twin. The other wall holds a frame. The frame holds a metal door to contain utter disbelief of the visible. Walls of gray, not like summer, but darker. Yes, there is darkness, okay? Mm. Okay, you can read now. <laughs> and 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 you want me to follow you? <laughs> if that's if that's what you. I want you to bring it home. <laughs> you know, I want you to bring it home. <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, epic is the only word I have for you right now. So I will, I will try to to stand next to you with that work. I will read. Um, Commonality between tribes. Okay. I watched tears drop down her cheeks as she shielded her tattooed skinny arms over her slouched frame. I kept my head down, aware of others around us. She fought those tears, blatant, submissive combat. We were not in a prison day room anymore. She took me beyond to the gravesite of her deceased. I didn't ask to go. I wanted distance between us. She spoke of death and its aftermath on her life and posture. Sitting by her side, I wasn't thinking of her pain. I went to the yellow house in Six Mile, the last house I seen Bobby alive in. I didn't get distance from her. She didn't make peace with her tears. Silence betrayed us both. 
And my last one I will read is called No, I Am Not. Um, it was a line from a poem I read by Leonard Peltier. So he was kind of the, the molding inspiration for this. <clears throat> no, I am not. If my guilt makes me holy, why must I feel dirty, shame-ridden, empty, so Indian? Where is this redemption that I seek? Redemption my grandparents' grandparents died for. I only see Kamad cans, reservation pride, hand-me-downs, and borrowed moccasins. Will I be what I crave? Free. These reservation borders intersect family lines, blending Anishinaabe and denied European blood. I'm not at home on the flight pattern of McGeezy wings. I am the eagle. I wasn't born with those dreams, going. Sweet grass burned them into my wretched soul, the winter of 1979. My first winter. No, I am not holy. All right. Whew. I think you did pretty good. How about <laughs> Very kind of you. Thank you so I'll much. I'll give you snaps. All um, right. <laughs> I think, you know, we're going to probably end it right here. Okay. Um, let's do that. Um, I think it's been a great to be in a conversation with you, Lise. I mean, it's definitely been an honor. Um, and just so everyone knows who's out there listening, um, Louise and I will be in, she will be part of my book release um, on September the 8th with the Brooklyn Historical Society. Yes, um, I will. I would not miss <laughs> it for the world. There you go. There you go. Um, and so one of the things we want to do is we want to thank Johnson County Library and Helen yep. Hokinson for um, putting this all together. And again, thank you for being a part of this. And thank you all, everybody out there in the sphere. We'll see you later. Thank you. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thank you, both Dr. Randall Horton and <laughs> Louise Wakaigan. It's been lovely. You guys were great. So. Take care. For more episodes of Did You Hear, go to the Johnson County Library website, jocolibrary.org slash didyouhear. Please stay safe, everyone.